riddle me this, friend. Would you go streaking across a football field during a game for a million dollars, knowing there's a 50-50 chance you'll be arrested for indecent exposure? Definitely. You would? Yeah. Definitely, yes. I th- See, I think I'm in the same boat with you. I think there does need to be some planning that goes into this, though. Like, the fact if you don't want to do this at your favorite team's stadium, because you're going to be kicked out, probably. Yeah, but, I mean, if it's a one and done, hey, I got a million dollars. That's true, but if you're kicked out, you'll never be able to go see your favorite team live again. I can watch them on TV, and you get a better <laughs> view on TV. I'm not arguing that, but if you're one but, that enjoys going to the stadium. Good point. Okay. Great point. <laughs> but I would say for me, just because, just for argument's sake, a better example would be for me like Lebanon Valley Dragway, because I love that more than football now. So what I'd do it across that drag strip, that would be tougher for me because... That would be interesting. Stre- it's, it's local. Streaking across a drag strip. I've never seen that done. <sighs> you could be the first one. Yeah, but I don't. you can get hit by a car going well, over 100 I take miles that back. per hour. Uh, come on. you got to be able to... If you get hit by a car, you deserve to be hit by a car at a drag strip. You That's, know they're coming. You can see the lights count down. That's very, <laughs> very, very true. I love going there, though. I mean, yes, I have the million dollars, so maybe I can tell them, look, I won't do it again. Here's $100,000. But the guy that owns it is filthy rich. So if it's a million, I guess I would do it. I'm not even going to lie. I'm in the same boat with you. It would just be a team that I hate, so I don't have to worry about being kicked out of the stadium. That's very true. And with that, welcome to episode 17 of Stories from a Bar. I'm your host, Chris Osborne. For this episode, I am hanging out with horror aficionado and host of Horror with Sir Sturdy, the podcast, I should say. Aaron Sturdivant, how are you, good sir? I'm doing very, very well. It's a beautiful day today. We're in this beautiful brewery with these awesome cups. Frog Alley, by the way. How are you doing? Yes, we'll be talking about that. I'm doing great. Yeah, there's... The doors are open. It's like 80 degrees out. It's beautiful. There's nothing about great weather and the openness that just makes you want to drink. <laughs> You're right. You're very right with that. Or just opening your eyes. But, yeah. Oh, we talked about this. You have a problem. We discovered. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm not saying I wake up drinking, but I have done that before. You know, you're on vacation <laughs> or staycation. You just wake up. You're like, you oh, know what? I'm in a hotel room. The, with, uh, the with Irish the coffee? Or do you go for something else? Uh, honestly, whatever's cold. Southern Comfort, anything. I told you I'm more of a liquor person. <laughs> that is true. Okay, you, you hit the day with a vengeance, don't you? I have. And you know what it is? is sometimes I'm like, you know what? The last thing I drank before I went to bed was Southern Comfort. So why not wake up? So why not continue that? Yeah. You just <laughs> that whole, you know, up? best thing in your cup, best morning waking up, folders in your cup is a lie. It's Southern <laughs> Comfort. Okay. So thank you for taking the time to hang out. I've been looking forward to getting together with you. We got some fun stuff planned. But first, we should take a second to talk about where we are hanging out, the brand spanking new Frog Alley Brewing Company, right here on State Street in downtown Schenectady. What do you, uh, what do you think about the place there, Aaron? Honestly, I love it. I really do. It's my first time here. And I just love how it's, like you were saying earlier when we were discussing before we started recording, it's more of like an industrial look. It does have an industrial look, which I love. I am a kind of a sucker for exposed brick, which it has the exposed brick beams and surrounding walls and stuff, which I love. It's also you, pretty colorful. Yes. Then you have the brewing stuff. I don't know. I'm no expert, people. Awesome. You have the brewing stuff right here. You can see yep. from our seat. I'm looking right at it. We right. are hanging out in the back of the brewery where you can actually overlook all the brewing equipment and see everything that's going on, which yes. is always cool to see. A quick and funny story. As I was literally thinking of a place where we were going to record this episode, mm-hmm. 
Uh, I actually got a message from one of the awesome people that work here, uh, and I may mispronounce her last name, so I apologize ahead of time. Jessica Levitt. Sounds right to me. It sounds right, right? <laughs> Seems to she's so she's one of the awesome people that work here. She mentioned, of course, who she was. Messaged the show, said who she was, that she worked here, and asked if I'd have any interest in setting up shop in the tap room here. So that was incredibly crazy timing, and I'm thankful for it. Yes. So a special shout out to Jessica. A big thank you to Frog Alley for letting us come in today, hang out, obviously drink and oh, record. Of course, of course, the drinking's you know <clears throat> that's important. So what are you drinking? I'm drinking a sour. I believe you it's are- called the fruit sour. Yep. It was the first beer on the list. I was like, I'm going to try that. And I like it. I tried that one. It was good. I went with the Kicker Pilsner, which is delightful. Delightful. I was here a little ahead of time mm-hmm. and had their Refresh IPA, which was also awesome. Nice. And I think they said it was one of their best-selling beers. few other notes of about Frog Alley, of course. I mentioned they're a new place here in Schenectady. So new that the building they're in is actually still under construction. The brewery itself and tap room are open and finished mm-hmm. pretty much. But uh, unless you know it's here, you may you may not know that. Yeah, so open your eyes. None of the construction is in the way, I should probably mention. No, it's not. Yeah. Also, this place is freaking huge. <laughs> huge isn't the word. I mean, you can... I can have, like, a family reunion in this place. <laughs> it's... Well, maybe not the start of inside, but... It's a big place. It's a really big place. This will be a nice gathering if you had, like, a group... Big group coming to come have some drinks. They also have an awesome outdoor patio, large area. Always have live entertainment coming in. And if you play, um, uh, it's a white people game. I believe it's called Cornhole. They have they, that They inside. do have the Cornhole set up here in the back. People just stopped playing like two minutes before we started recording, which was Yeah, that was very timing. fortunate because that would have been quite loud, but we're good. And of course, most importantly are the beers. I've had a chance to have, I've had like five or six, tasted at least five or six of them by now, and okay. they've all been fantastic. Like I said, this is my second one today, and I'm sure we'll pause for a, th- a third at some point. <laughs> yes. I'm, I already know what I'm getting next. There it's you go. the um, Mohop number eight. I've seen melon and strawberry. I was like, yes. Nice. So if you are in Schenectady looking for a place to stop in and have some drinks, definitely check out Frog Alley. So, Aaron. Yes, sir. It occurs to me. Honestly, this is really only like the third time we've ever hung out. It really is. <laughs> and you know what's funny? All three times were for a podcast. They were. We actually met helping out a common buddy, Anthony Rossi, a host of Video Game Crosstalk. Yep. We hung then out. Then we hung out. At, I came over to your place. We did an awesome episode of your podcast, Horror with Sir Sturdy. Yes, Talking, sir. of course, about the greatest, one of the greatest movies ever, Army of Darkness. And now we are here today hanging out, and we're going to talk about a special movie in a moment. Yes, we are. Figure. But I really don't know that much about you. Hmm. Are you That's a local true. guy? Yeah, I was born and raised here. Shit. I guess just ask away and I'll try to answer. <laughs> that was mostly what I had. <laughs> okay, well, let me see. So you're from the Schenectady area then? Yeah. Yeah, you, went to, you grew up and went to school and everything around here? Schenectady slash colony. As you know, I love horror. Yes. I love those cons and all that. I'm black. I don't know if you can tell or not. But. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Putting that out there. Yeah, I had to throw that out there for everybody. Well, actually, it's probably a good thing you put that out there because I'm sure there'll be a number of jokes that come up. (laughs) Yes. I think me, you, and Anthony, the day we hung out, we were probably doing this. Oh, yeah, we were joking already. Yes, we were. And Anthony had to tell us to calm down because it's a family area. It's true. He was like, well, he is a parent. Neither me and we're not. We are not. Other than, well, dog parents. Yes. and well, my, girlfriend, my girlfriend and I do have one dog. So. I have a dog and stepkids, but Anthony threatened to spank us if we didn't cut it out, so we stopped. I feel like that was more out of 
him trying to find something pleasurable in the situation and us trying to avoid it. Yes. He gets very touchy-feely. <laughs> he likes to hug, too. <laughs> but See, it's not, as long as it's not a secret hug. Yeah, I don't want okay. a secret hug from Anthony. No. But yeah, like I said, I'm a, I do a horror podcast. Um, I'm into drag racing like we were talking about a little while ago. I got into that because of my father. So it's like my favorite thing. I go to Lebanon Valley Dragway when I can. I'm into all kinds of music. I love that song, Old Town Road. I've been seeing that pop up, but I still haven't actually listened to it. It's actually not bad. Like, I heard it because I listen to radio, not radio stations, but like um, Breakfast Club and all that kind of stuff. And you'll hear like clips of it. And you keep hearing people talk about it. Let me actually check this song out. And actually, I was uh, under the influence of something. (laughs) (laughs) Playing PS4 with my brother on Twitch, listening to that song on repeat over and over and over. And it got to the point where we were laughing so hard. You know, he's out in Colorado. So we had to take our headsets off. I told him the next day, I was like, I had to take my headset off because my stomach was hurting from laughing so hard. Every time I put it back on, I was laughing. <laughs> so, yeah. What? Did you go to college? I did brief. I didn't finish. I went briefly. I went to um, Brighton Stratton for a little bit okay. for something with computers. I forgot now. <laughs> <laughs> really stuck. <laughs> yeah. But I'm working for the state now, which... Great benefits, not bad, you know, it's good to get I, into. I hear it's a cushy position. It is, and the only way you can move, the only downfall is moving up with the state tests. Other than that. Oh, man, I hate tests. I hate them. Other than that, it's a really good job to get it. Really right, well, get let into. me ask you this then. If you didn't have to work, what would you do? If I did not have to work, meaning I would have, I'd be rich? Yeah, sure. Let's say you got that million dollars and we're not arrested for indecent exposure. Okay, um... <laughs> Honestly, I, would, I think I'd really want to start like a podcast network. Okay. And I say that because like a lot of people are into it, but I would know, I'd want to start one, like a network, but also teach people and like teach the youth how to use it because yep. they're into a lot of electronics and things. And not everybody's an athlete. <laughs> you know, I'm we certainly do other not. Things. I'm definitely not. Uh, beer drinking is not a, a really an athletic sport. <clears throat> eh, it can be. I mean, there is the lifting to your mouth, I suppose. But yeah, Hey, listen, that takes, that takes skill. <laughs> But, yeah, I think I would want to do something like that. Obviously, figure out ways to make more money. But just, it'd be cool to start your network to where people are sending you their stuff. You're getting it produced for them. Yep. Get some ads, which, you know, you get paid for it. And then you get ads, which helps them get a little bit of money. Yeah, man. In their pockets. But I think that would be a fun thing to do. How about yourself? I remember my, either my junior, what would have been my junior or senior year of college, having to take one of these kind of ridiculous classes that prepare you for the outside world. Mm-hmm. Like, if you were going to be forced to take this class, if anything, you should have been forced to do it as a freshman, not later on in your college yeah. career. And I remember the teacher going around asking us in the class, all the students, what they would do, basically, if they, you know, you're rich, you didn't have to work. My answer, and I stick by it, I would get a string of crappy part-time jobs at random places and do ridiculous stuff to see what it took to get fired, and then write a book. That, I'm going to add on to that. (laughs) That would be a hilarious reality show. I mean, the book would be cool too, don't get me wrong, but I'm just thinking of the times we're living in now where everything's on social media. Yeah, I don't know if it could be a reality show, but provided I had enough great stories for a book, I could see like a sitcom or something. Sitcom. Or getting canceled after maybe two seasons. Facebook Live. There, there, there we there go. go. They're always looking for content. Maybe YouTube. you should contact them. YouTube, all that. I'd be like, wow. People would watch that because 
and I'm guilty of this too. For some strange reason, we like seeing people screw up as far as doing it, stupid it stuff. It really is something not just Americans, but everyone loves. It's, I mean, it's funny. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> I take pleasure in other people's pain. Like, oh, I wonder what he's going to do today. He's got a job at KFC. Ordering and just eating people's chicken. <laughs> there you go. Eight bucks. What's the worst job you've ever had? Retail. <laughs> Anything more specific? Um, I've, I've spent most of my working years through oh, high school and college, of course, in the retail, like most people do. Would, God, re- a guy was god-awful. Yes, retail I do not miss it at all. Warehouse. And I only say that just because they expect so much out of you, but they don't want to pay you for it. Yep. And I was one of those workers. I'm not going to blast the job's names, but like at the warehouse I worked at, I knew how to do everything there as far as the machines and all that. I would train people. But people that were coming in the door with zero experience were making more money than me. And I was getting pissed. Uh, yeah, that's I ended right. up going to the state, so I'm happy about that. There you go. And then with the retail, pretty much the same thing. <laughs> and it's just, I don't know. It's, yeah. the, it's one of those things where it's like, with retail, the management, the team leads, quote unquote, they get big heads. They yep. don't know how to do anything. Yeah, they do. They think they're more important than they really are, for yeah. one thing. And some I places. Was, I'm not going to say all. Well, this one particular place was <laughs> like that, and I remember I got sent home. <clears throat> I got sent home a couple times for some BS, but the following day, one of the team leads actually apologized. He said I was wrong. Okay. Each time, but each time, <clears throat> each time that I got sent home, I would come back and talk to the HR and the higher up, and they would say, you're getting paid for the rest of the day because you didn't do anything wrong. So I'm like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> there but, was uh, one... Uh, large retail chain I worked for, and I worked in their meat and seafood department. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes, of course, packages of the meat would pop open or stuff. Clearly, we can't put those out. I would take the packages of hamburger patties mm-hmm. and go back into the large cooler, draw in, in like a washable marker or something I could wash off the wall, a big bullseye, stand on the other side, and oh. just fling the patties. That sounds to fun. try to get through the day. That sounds really fun. There's other stuff there, but that's one I when I won't go into that. Yeah, I've that. I know. I know I know things. I know, you know, when you get that little freedom, you do some stuff you're not supposed to be it doing was, at work. I won't say there was any a real high supervisor there when I would do stuff like that. I'd hope not. No. But that would be part of your, your book. Exactly. Right there. That's That'd a teaser perfect. for the book I will have out one day. I've got some more stories to put in there. That I can't give them all away right now, or clearly people won't buy the book. I want to read that book. We've got to make this hilarious. happen, then. So, mentioned you are the host of Horror with Sir Sturdy, the podcast. Mm-hmm. How'd you get into podcasting and your love for horror movies? Well, I'll start with my love for horror movies. Um, I have older. I have an older brother. I have a few older brothers, but my one older brother, cousins, and all that, they would always watch movies and horror movies and you always want to do what your older siblings and cousins and stuff were doing, so I'd follow them around yep, watching Yeah, I remember it. hiding and watching my older brother when I was a kid. Yep. And they would let me sit and watch them, though. And I would just sit and watch them, and a lot of times I'd get scared. Like, quick one, what was it? Tales from, no, not Tales from the Crypt. What the hell is it? Anyway, part two of this movie, The Hitchhiker. Hitch, creep Show. Hitchhiker. Okay. Thanks for the ride, lady. Scared, literally scared the shit out of me. Like, I... <laughs> had to ask one of them to walk me to the bathroom to use the bathroom when the movie was over with and then when i was done i went right back and watched the movies with them again and it's just been like that since that's a fun memory yes it is (laughs) (laughs) but like i 
I mean, I'm not scared of them anymore. I just love it. I love how with horror you can go in any direction. And <laughs> not, not that be, you'll admit to. I've, I'll jump here and there. <laughs> but I mean, like, I don't have to sleep with a light on anymore. Okay. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Hey, you know, everybody got a nightlight, right? It's called a cell phone. <laughs> but yeah, like, I love how horror can go in literally like any direction. It can be comedy, whatever, really gory, and it's not the wrong direction. <clears throat> and I feel that's the only genre where you can really get away with that, with going in any direction. And if you go into it, I can see what you're saying. If you go into it fully focused mm-hmm. on the aspect you're trying to achieve, then yes. Like, if it's like a horror comedy. Yep. You play that up, then it's great. Yes. If it's not supposed to be a horror comedy, but it comes across that way, then that's it's... bad. But another thing I say, I say this all the time when people ask me about horror. Horror is one of those genres where I can say, hey, I watched a movie about a killer turkey or Christmas trees, and they're going to want to see that. I was intrigued last time we spoke, that's right, about the and turkey it, movies. It's Thanksgiving. Hilarious. I got it. Oh, I forgot all about it. I got to watch Hula- this. Listen to this. The first line in the movie is a turkey saying to somebody, nice tits, bitch. You have to see something like that. <laughs> I, li- I like how it's a nice tone setter. It is. <laughs> but, and then getting into, so obviously being a fan of horror is what got me into that. But what I started doing was um, I'd order like these boxes, like it was called like Horror Block and other horror boxes, yep. similar like Loot Crate. Yeah. I'll do unboxings on Facebook Live and then just have random conversations with my friends and stuff in my Facebook group. And from there, I kept saying, you know, I'm going to start a podcast. I'm going to start a podcast. I said this for about a year. So one day, my wife, out of the blue, I'm at work. She's like, look what just came in the mail for you. She ordered me a my first mixer, and it came with a mic and a pair of headphones. Nice. So I went from that to just getting people to record. But I started recording, like, my good friends and my cousins and my brother. And from there, it just kind of grew. Slowly but surely, it grew. And now, <laughs> nice. it's just... It's so fun. It's so, as you it, know. Yeah, man, it is. I went from, it was funny, we mentioned hanging out with Anthony at the mm-hmm. con, really the first time we met. From that point to basically a week later is when I started That's the awesome. podcast. <laughs> Just like out of nowhere. Basically ordered a microphone, used my laptop, and mm-hmm. then watched basically a few YouTube movies on how to do some stuff. Yep. And I was off and running. Now, is that did you want to start a podcast before that weekend, I'll say? or Uh... I don't remember if the thought had crossed my mind or not. I enjoyed helping Anthony out. Obviously, his life got busy once he had a kid, so I was yep. helping out. We were both helping him out with some mm-hmm. social media stuff and promoting his. And I, I don't know. I just kind of caught a bug, I guess. Yeah. And, like, back to Anthony with his podcast, I still got to thank him for it before, but I'm going to thank him for it again. Like, me helping him at his table, I know I was helping him, but it helped me just – it was cool being on the other side of the table, yeah. getting that experience, and it just – it was fun. It's funny because the least favorite thing I like about doing this podcast is my own voice. So, Okay, I got a question for you since you, since you say this, and I'll answer it right after. Now, after, I know you mix your own podcast down and everything, but once the episode is actually out to the public, do you listen to it? No, because at that point, I did probably listen to all the parts of it three or four times. Okay. So I, once I post it, I don't... You don't, you don't want to hear I it. I haven't listened to like it I'm again it after again. I post it. I get it. I do, but I think the difference with me is I send it to my, my younger brother. He's my producer, so he'll do all that other stuff. Yep. He gets to hear my lovely voice for a couple hours. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I do when it comes out just because, like, I sometimes, as, you told, as I told you earlier, I record, like, sometimes I record, like, three or four episodes in a weekend. So yeah. I forget what was said on the episodes. I go back. I listen to him at work. Sometimes I work just laughing. <laughs> like, wow. I really said that? And it's just, 
it's such a fun thing though and it brings you like you meet new friends you get new friends from it you learn so much from it oh yeah i've met some awesome people i've and, heard some great stories in the yeah. about beer and the brewing world and even and distilling same here with the with my horror podcast like i like how and with yours too how you go off like on a random tangent like we can be talking we, for mine for example we can be talking about friday the 13th reviewing a movie then jump into another horror movie and then talk about drinking and food and go right back to the movie. It's, yeah. It's fun. So I could use another beer. I don't know about you. So why don't you say we take a quick break and fill up? Sounds good. So we're back. We took a little break there to get another round of beers and yes. hit the bathroom. I broke the seal, so I had to hit the bathroom. Yep. Make pee-pee. And I noticed you have some red-ass shoes, but we're going to talk about shoes later. So we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> I do have some. Uh, what did you go with here again? With the the Mohop, Mohop Number Eight, eight which yes. is one of their experimental IPAs. How is it? I like it, and I'm not a big IPA guy, but this they is do have a lot good. of IPAs here. But they, they do. but they still have a nice variety too. They, oh, they do, they do, and I just realized they have big ass flat screens that tell you the menu. You know, some of the beers they have. <laughs> I didn't realize this until after I ordered my beer. There I looked up like, oh, there's. I didn't realize I was up there. Nice. I got the Mohop number five, and it's delicious. Oh, is, it, is it? So we just took a second unexpected break. Yes, we a did. A super interesting one. Yeah. As uh, one of the brewmasters, Rich, was kind enough to come over, introduce himself, and give us a little tour. I was not expecting that. It's no, that my, was awesome. Like I, I felt like a rock star. I felt like it was like a... <laughs> a nice personal touch. Yes, a very early birthday gift for me, even though it's not till November. But it was just so cool. And Rich is his name, right? Rich. Rich Such Michaels. a nice guy. Super nice guy. Hell of a beard. Yes. Gave us an awesome tour at the downstairs and all the equipment and everything. There was one point where uh, it looked like we were actually in a science lab with the cabinets and this testing area they had set up down there. <laughs> and I'm not going to lie to you. I'm down there. First of all, just going down there in general, but going down to that little section, I'm thinking horror movie automatically. I have it in my head. I would <laughs> that, watch this movie. That's just the way you think now? Yeah. Everything's a setup for a horror movie type situation? I'm going to tell you why. Just uh, just think of it like this. Say the alcohol you're drinking. Did you think you were going to end up in a tank with one of the blades spinning? That would be cool. Not me ending <laughs> up in a tank, but that would be a cool scene for a movie. But I was thinking more of like, this is like a mind control thing, and it has you doing things that the evil person wants you to do, whether it's... Let's say taking out other people for brewers. Okay. Because they want their brewery to be the only one. And it goes there. Once you take, you know, you take those people out, there's another brewer there. There's another, you know, their brewery. Yep. Or just mind control to destroy you or it kills you eventually. Not alcohol poison. I mean, it's just literally, <laughs> you know, you drink it, you melt something crazy. It, of course. Naturally. Bruce Campbell can be in that kind of he movie. He could. He absolutely could. He'd be the hero. Like he'd be right up his alley. It He's would. the hero in everything he's ever done. <laughs> but let's that, get that straight right now yeah. you, you could be right you could be right but uh yeah so a special awesome thank you shout out to rich yes. michaels one of the head brewmasters here spoiler alert here we will hopefully be on a future episode we were trying to we discussed that a little bit so i won't go into too much more detail on everything he just talked about we'll save mm-hmm. that for the episode did let us taste a sample of their double ipa straight from the tank yes i just going to say, people, listen, we have these special privileges. Because we're special people. And uh, it was awesome. And when you hear this, you're going to be jealous. And y- They you should, should be jealous. You should be, because it was amazing coming straight from the straight tank. Straight from the tank. How many people can say they've done that? Besides maybe Homer Simpson and Peter Griffin. And, and everyone that's brewed a beer. 
Well, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, okay, if you haven't brewed a beer and you're not Homer or Peter Griffin, you haven't done that. All right. Maybe you did. So, again, special shout out to Rich. Thank you. So, you review a lot of horror movies on your podcast, and there's one movie in particular I specifically want to talk to you about. And we, I mentioned this yes. when we were wrapping up on your podcast because we talked about Army of Darkness. Yes. And I said, next time we got together, we had to talk about Bubba Hotep. Yes. 2002 fantastic comedy horror film, B-list core horror comedy film, starring Bruce Campbell and Aussie Davis, an American, mm-hmm. African-American actor, yes. who actually passed away in 2005, which Rest is sad. Rest in peace, good sir. Yes. I asked you if you watched it. You said yes. I said, hold your opinion. I want to hear what you thought of it right now. It was funny. Okay. Like, I... You know what part I had me really laughing is when um, Bruce Campbell was sitting outside with JFK. <laughs> and he was and we'll, like, we'll, we'll get more into that in a second. That, that scene right there just had me rolling because I'm like, this is something. I feel like I would say something like that. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I know I would say something. <laughs> I know I would say something like that. It was a fun movie, though. It was great. I didn't know what to expect until I started watching it. And it was just so like. It's one of those movies, horror comedy. I'm feeling the beer a little bit. Yes. And it was just, it was great. I really did enjoy it. I had a great time with the movie. I really did. And a cowboy zombie. Exactly. And you know what ties this? Soul sucking. You know what I was thinking when I was watching this movie? It's a soul sucking mummy that comes back from the dead dressed as a cowboy. Mummy, not zombie. And we'll talk about, I'll specify the plot a little more in a second. Okay. But... (laughs) Real quick, the funny thing about this movie is, now I told you earlier, I like that Old Town Road song. Yes. Every time I see the mummy, that's all I was thinking. <laughs> In my head, that's playing as he's walking, and I'm like, this would fit perfect. If that song was out then, that song would have been in this movie. Probably. Oh, my goodness. Probably would have. So, for anyone that doesn't know the plot, basically, of Bubba Hotep, another Bruce Campbell classic. Yes. Bruce Campbell plays an elderly man at the Shady Rest Retirement Home in East Texas. But he's known, in the retirement home, he's known as Sebastian Half, who was a popular Elvis impersonator back in the 70s, 60s, 70s. Mm-hmm. And the movie basically starts out with him waking up in a retirement home, but he is the actual Elvis. Yes, he is. The, the A big part of the plot hinges on the fact that he got basically tired of living life in the limelight as Elvis. And found a popular Elvis impersonator and really switched lives with him. So the Elvis impersonator took over, just about the best Elvis impersonator at the time, Mm -hmm. took over as the real Elvis, while Bruce Campbell, who was playing the real Elvis, took over as the actual Elvis impersonator, living his life that way. In fact, it even shows him living in a trailer park, becoming friends with all all his neighbors, having a barbecue and everything like that, and living life that way. (laughs) it just it's ridiculous talking about it i watched the movie twice over the last two weeks okay because i haven't seen it in years and it holds up it does (laughs) if you're into it it holds up it's it's one of those movies where if you're someone who takes movies serious don't watch it you got to just kind of turn your brain off and have fun with it oh i did and for those of you who don't know this this movie was based on a true story i could be lying but no no it's this this really happened continue and it was just it was funny i mean and it makes you think though like as far as being you know someone who's rich and famous he just got tired of being in the limelight 
would you do something like that? If you're say you're tired of being in the limelight, but you're so famous, like everywhere but you go, you're people so famous, you. you have millions of dollars and stuff like. I don't know. It's an interesting question. Because he still had money. Because honestly, you could kind of still keep doing what you're doing, but certainly not get the kind of attention you were getting it right before. Yeah. I suspect the, even the most popular Elvis impersonator at the time was making pretty good money. The cool part, though, and the funny part was like. He was impersonating himself, which yeah, I he's just ba- found he's, hilarious. Yeah, he's playing the real Elvis, impersonating Elvis. And I'm thinking to myself, like, that's amazing. It's awesome. It's a crazy <laughs> idea. But at the same time, I'm thinking, why don't you just say you're the impersonator anyway? Even if you're the real Elvis, just say you're impersonating Elvis. Well. I guess. At the point where he's in the retirement mm-hmm. home, he's in his advanced elderly age, and he's trying to tell them he's the real Elvis. He's not the Sebastian half impersonator. Obviously, I mean, it doesn't go into detail when he was living in the trailer park, pretending mm-hmm. to be Sebastian Half and everything like that. But we should probably focus also on the other half of the movie, or the other part of the plot, where a mummy comes, an ancient Egyptian mummy comes back. With cowboy boots and a cowboy dressed hat. Dressed as a cowboy, wearing a cowboy hat and everything, and is a soul su- he needs to suck souls, basically, to survive. Not only did he do that, when he goes to use the bathroom... You know, and he's shitting out your soul. He writes hiero- inappropriate hieroglyphics, hieroglyphics on the walls, which to me, that's just hilarious. <laughs> that was actually one of my favorite parts. The mummy comes back. The ancient Egyptian mummy is basically, he's discovered in Egypt. There is actually, they do actually go into a little backstory on him, but mm-hmm. and I'll kind of gloss over it quick. Actually taken from his tomb in ancient Egypt. Yep. And basically put on a tour bus and displayed a around supposed to be displayed around museums and stuff around the usa yeah bus gets into an accident outside of this retirement home mummy gets swept out of the bus by the rushing water because it's in like a creek and Mm -hmm. basically his sarcophagus washes up to the land that this retirement home is on so that's why he's there at the retirement home (laughs) yeah and old people are easy prey for the mummy when it comes to sucking souls yeah because they're not going to move fast no they are weaker souls, so he yep. feeds on them as they go into, basically, to sustain until he can kind mm-hmm. of find younger souls that will help him to sustain longer. But part of the plot is the basically the fact that not only does he eat these souls out of any open orifice, I should add. Yes. Because they do make a point of saying he will suck souls from the asshole. He did? Yes. That yes. Was a- <laughs> <laughs> because uh, JFK did say, if I'm not mistaken, he's like, I don't want him sucking on my ass. I was like, what the? And actually, I should, we should probably talk about JFK reference yes. in the fact that I mentioned earlier, Aussie Davis, who is the other main actor in the movie, is an African-American man. And I said that specifically because, <laughs> because he is supposed to be the elderly JFK mm-hmm. in a wild conspiracy theory where he thinks he was JFK after his, the assassination attempt. And he thinks Lyndon Johnson is basically the one that was out to get him. He was abducted, put in this nursing home, and his skin was dyed black. Yep. Makes sense to me. As a disguise. Yep. That's actually what happened to me. I'm really, Is that what happened uh, to you? Yeah. Were you born white and dyed black? Yeah. Um, I'm not, I don't remember who I was before, but I was white and famous, and they got tired of You were white it, and famous. And now they dyed me black and took all my fame away. And it just dropped you off in Schenectady? Yeah. Lost my white <laughs> privilege and everything. It's tough. Goodbye, white privilege. Yes. Goodbye, white privilege. <laughs> Hello, being able to say the N-word. That's really I'm the only rule I don't it. have for this. I'm not going to say it on here. 
It's really my only rule going into recording these episodes is is no N-bombs. None. (laughs) Nope. Basically, no N-bombs and avoid politics. Those are really my two rules. Yeah, avoid politics on mine. Other than that, have fun. (laughs) (laughs) So the movie is, of course, Bruce Campbell as Elvis teaming up with an elderly black man who's JFK in a wheelchair, I should add. He's not very mobile. He did walk some, though. He walks around. But when they finally team up to attack the mummy, or go after the mummy at the end, I mean, he's in his motorized wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Elvis, Bruce Campbell, is using his walker most of the movie. And one of my favorite scenes is, uh, well, we'll go back. Obviously, the mummy eats souls, craps out soul remains, they yes, determine. He does. And, and they believe this because they believe the mummy used one of the public restrooms there and etched hieroglyphic sayings into the bathroom stall. <laughs> Which was hilarious. <laughs> and they even go so far as to pretend to translate it, saying, I actually wrote this down, because it, it laughed. Let me find it here in my notes. Hold on. So the mummy etches two lines of hieroglyphics into the bathroom stall. <laughs> they say the first line says, Pharaoh gobbles donkey goobers. Makes sense. <laughs> Obviously. And the second line, Cleopatra does the nasty. I believe that. She does. Or did. I would not be surprised if that was the case. Yep. I feel like that's reasonable. It's very... It, it makes sense. I mean, and he's a mummy. He doesn't know what's going on in the world at that time. He just remembers what he remembers from when he was alive. She did the nasty. Maybe that's what got him killed. <laughs> it's true. She was probably married. Some Her husband got... You know, her husband caught him sleeping with her. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. Cleo- so if you take one thing away from this episode of Stories from a Bar, it'll be that Cleopatra did the nasty. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, there is actually a legitimate underlying theme to the movie of kind of elderly abuse, forgetting about the elderly, dropping them off at the home and forgetting about them. That's true. Which they do kind of actually touch on. To give the movie, kind of grounds the movie with some legitimacy, I actually thought. Yeah, they actually do say that. They say that. You know, with the mummy going there because with elderly bringing them to those type of homes, not all nursing homes, but this one particular home, let's say, they go there and they're forgotten. Yeah. So if they died, no one really cares. Yep. And you've seen it with the one girl who comes in to get her father's stuff who dies in the beginning of the movie. Yep. And Bruce Campbell's character, Elvis, was like, I've never seen you here before. She's like, I was here one time when I dropped my father off and now I'm here to get the stuff that I want. And then she left. Yeah, that was, that, was that was it. it. She was here one time, three years, three or three, however many years yeah, it was three years before ago. that when she dropped him off and hasn't been back other than to pick up his stuff after he died. Yep, and that was that was it. So believe it or not, as ridiculous as the whole premise sound, there is actually kind of an underlying legitimate theme. Take care of old people. Yeah. They're great. Don't just abandon the elderly. No, honestly, all joking aside, though, they are great because it's, it's cool if you have elderly in your family and elderly people in your family and you get... A chance to sit down and just talk with them how things were with them growing up and listening to stuff. Screw a history book. Sit down with someone elderly and listen to them and you'll get a lot of stuff because they were right there. Like literally right there going through it. Dude, they have I some love. awesome stories if you just your grandparents and things yeah. like that. And they're hilarious too. They say <laughs> another thing about the elderly that I love. Old people don't have filters? Is that what you're not saying? Not at all. They're like they're almost like I don't want to be disrespectful when I say this. They're like young children, how they just Children don't know any better at a certain age. Elderly, they know better. They just don't care anymore. <laughs> so it, it, it's funny the parallel between, kind of the parallel between elderly people and little kids that you're raising. Little mm-hmm. kids are like old drunk people. 
And old people are like little kids in the fact that basically the filter's gone. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, who cares anymore at this point? Exactly. <laughs> That's a hundred percent truth. They're just like, ah, you know what? This is what I feel about you. I'm going to tell you right now, you suck. <laughs> they, they, they might say it a lot more vulgar than that, but they will just tell you. It's true. They you don't suck. hold back. There's no point in holding back at that. When, or, I, when I'm old, I'm just going to be swearing at everyone probably. Yeah. Or say if you're a little overweight, maybe you shouldn't have that piece of cake. You should lose some weight. Put that down. <laughs> They'll just say it flat out like that. They're the people that can get away with stuff. Yeah. Ah. Like, ah, that's All just right. grandpa. He's joking. <laughs> I'm not joking. All right. Let's get back to the movie. Yes. We lost track there. We did. <laughs> so Elvis and JFK it, with their walker and motorized wheelchair mm-hmm. prepping to go fight the mummy. T- because I, I should also mention Bruce Campbell as Elvis mentions a number of times of the movie in the movie about the growth on his pecker. Yes, he does. <laughs> he does. Which provides plenty of entertainment all in itself. It does. And real quick about that, the funny thing about that is I started watching this movie. And it's so, the first fact, time I think it's like the first it. thing he says is yes. that he has a growth on his pecker. The first time he mentions it, my wife just happens to be in the room and she just looks like, what the hell? It's <laughs> what like are if, you I, if, if I was going to name this thing, I'd name it after my ex-wife. Yep. <laughs> and it was, oh man. I just kind of rub it out till it pops. Pretty much. So he has a trouble with erectile dysfunction, basically, as an old Elvis. Yeah, which, I mean, you know, I guess it happens at a certain age. And as the mummy comes along and he kind of finds a reason to be motivated and live, his erections come back. Yep. Which, again, makes sense. Not surprisingly, while well, the nurse is supposed to be applying some gel to his area. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just it, it happens, you know? It, it does. I will, let me put this out there. It's not graphic. They're not actually showing it happening. Mm-mm. <laughs> there is, he is covered by a blanket and everything. Yes. And they're showing the nurse as it's happening. <laughs> yes. So don't think that this got X-rated real quick. But it was funny either way. It's hilarious. So with a re- renewed sense of vigor and able to have a boner again, mm-hmm. I would guess you could say. Kind of finds a reason to live, wants to defend the nursing home from this mummy, and suck in the souls of his friends. So he teams up with the black JFK. Yes, he does. To take out the mummy. And one of my favorite scenes is as they're preparing, they show what they're going to wear. Of course, Bruce Campbell dresses up in the full Elvis, I will say, bedazzled. Attire, yes. The white suit, white attire, all white. And uh, Aussie Davis, who's playing the black JFK there, dresses up in full suit. And it's funny because his his home in the rest home is really presidential out, kind of. (laughs) It is. It is. It looks like a presidential bedroom. So, and then, of course, it's them walking down the hall in their jumpsuit, getting ready to go fight the mummy. Bruce Campbell, of course, steals, like, this large backpack-sized tub of what you would put weed killer in with a hand pump and fill it with gasoline and rubbing alcohol. Which was a smart move. Obviously, the only way to take out a cowboy-dressed mummy is to light it on fire. Yes. <laughs> Set it on fire. Now, you know, when the cowboy mummy comes alive, you know you know how to de- defeat it. You don't want it to suck the soul out of your ass. Uh, not at all. You know, one of my favorite parts of the movie is when JFK gets knocked out of his wheelchair and... When Elvis gets into it, and the tires screech on the grass, <laughs> I lost my mind. I was like, "Yeah, so that they, doesn't happen with wheelchairs." No, for one, it doesn't. So <laughs> they, set up, they set off to, in the middle of the night to go to the mummy. 
they're going to use JFK in his wheelchair's bait, falling mm-hmm. asleep in like a little park area or somewhere on the property of the nursing home with Bruce Campbell waiting for the mummy to appear. And he's, of course, wearing his backpack of lighter fluid on his back. <laughs> yes, he is. He's out there in the nursing home. The mummy comes out. Bruce Campbell knocks JFK out of his wheelchair. He's about to suck his soul out of his mouth, however, when Bruce Campbell whistles to get his attention. And the wheelchair, after he was knocked out of the wheelchair, you're right, the wheelchair does just kind of keep going because it's motorized. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Straight to Bruce Campbell, and it just picks up Bruce Campbell, and he comes swinging back. And that's when the tires screech. And I was like, that's <laughs> so hilarious. Douses them in the lighter fluid, lights them on fire. You think it's over, but it's not. Nope. Even though he did not suck the soul out of JFK, JFK does pass away, basically thinking Elvis dies of natural, basically a heart attack. Yep. The mummy comes back up after, hold on, I wrote this down, because the mummy actually had, they gave the mummy two lines. I don't oh, remember man. what the first one was. Me either. And you're right. But they do show some funny, like, hieroglyphics on the screen. They, I, see, I remember. I remember. I don't remember the line, but I do remember the hieroglyphics. <laughs> hieroglyphics. Damn, that's hard to say. <laughs> yes. The mummy gets back up, comes to attack Bruce Campbell while he's still in the wheelchair. Bruce Campbell's trying to drive the wheelchair towards the cliff while he's still spraying him with the lighter fluid. They tumble down the cliff. The mummy gets up. Bruce, Camp, uh, Bruce Campbell has basically broke a ribbon. It's like poking out. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of like dying from that in a bloody Elvis costume. <laughs> and, well, the, the mummy is just standing in this lighter fluid. And the one mummy line, I did write it down. Oh, man, this movie was real fun, though. I really didn't know what to expect. I will say this, though, real quick. I looked this up. They didn't use any of Elvis's music in this movie. They did not. And the reason is they said for one song would be about half the budget. Of the move of the film, I can, I can imagine. So, I understand that. Yeah, I'm sure that was not something. I'm sure, it's easy to work around. You don't even. Th- I didn't even think about that. I did not hear a single Elvis song. You did. Like they show scenes of him, of Bruce Campbell performing as Elvis, I'm, and you don't hear any music. But it's kind of kind of like generic music of anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not any specific Elvis song. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. See him gyrating off stage, on yep. stage, and he falls off stage and breaks. In fact, his head. the reason he ends up in the nursing home is basically because he throws out a hip, falls off the stage, and goes into a coma for twenty years. Yeah, and wakes up as the elderly Elvis in the nursing home, mm-hmm. who everyone thinks is just the Elvis impersonator. Okay, because the Elvis impersonator, living as Elvis, also had a soft spot for drugs and booze, and that's he died. Oh, he you died. know, one thing we did not say is they actually had a contract. That is Elvis true. And Elvis impersonator. We are really so. skipping over a lot of stuff. So with the Elvis, the contract was basically if Elvis wants to become Elvis again, he can. But there, they did actually come up with a contract, which Bruce Campbell, when he was living in the trailer park as Sebastian Half, kept in his trailer. Yep. Problem is, when he was having a barbecue with some friends in the trailer park, something caught on fire, and basically all the trailers exploded. Mm-hmm. So the contract was destroyed. Yes. Well, so he was he, he was cooking. And he went to go talk with his friends, and like, the lighter fluid knocked over, spilled in the grill, big explosion, blew up that and a couple trailers. Yep. But bye-bye contract. This is really the definition of a drunken movie review. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but, hey, if you really want the details, just watch the yeah, movie. Yeah, just you got to watch the movie to really comprehend the greatness of it. Because even if we did describe it perfect, you would still say, what the hell are these two talking exactly. about? Exactly. We're two drunk guys mumbling. It's really but, one of the uh, you got to watch. At the end, before Bruce Campbell lights the mummy 
on fire for a second time that really does him in. The, <laughs> the mummy gets off the ground, mumbles something in Egyptian. They show these ridiculous hieroglyphics on the screen that kind of match what I'm about to tell you he says. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what it translate to, translates to is, eat the dog dick of Anubis, you asswipe. <laughs> I'm guessing Anubis is a dog. I, I, that's my assumption as I meant to look it up and forgot. That'd be a cool dog name now that I think about Anubis. Anubis. Yeah. And the movie, of course, comes to an end. Bruce Campbell feeling satisfied. He saved the souls of his friend before the mummy had a chance to crap them out. That's very important. <laughs> you don't want it to get crapped out. It is very key. And as he lays there looking up at the nighttime sky, he talks in his mind about how he doesn't fear death, knowing that he and his soul are still intact. He saved his friends from the retirement home, and the stars spell out all is well with the dying, thank you, thank you very much. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So now that we did our little movie review, which this was like a remix of his podcast and my podcast, which is is. awesome. How many Cowboy Mummies would you give this movie out of 10? Cowboy Mummies? Out of 10? Yeah. I would have guessed, I would have said out of 5. Out of 10, I'm going to go 8. 8? I'm going to give it a solid 7. I I also don't know any other movies with a Cowboy Mummy. Me either. (laughs) And now I want to see a Cowboy Mummy movie. You should Google that. It's got to be out there. It has to be. Just from this movie alone, it has to be out there. (laughs) But did you know the, uh, and I just looked this up this morning, the tagline for the movie, which I didn't even think about, because all movies have taglines. Mm-hmm. The tagline was, you know the legends, now learn the truth. Ah, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot, actually. And I also enjoyed the movie when it first starts, opens with defining Bubba Hotep as a word, and Bubba. And for the, the definition for Bubba Hotep that they put on the screen Relative or descendant of the 17th century Egyptian dynasties, 3100 through 1550 BC. Family surname of Egyptian pharaoh. The definition for Baba, (laughs) which I agree with 100%. A male from the southern United States, or good old boy, Oweli, or cracker, redneck, or trailer park resident. Sounds about right to me. Sounds right. I believe that's in Webster's Dictionary. You guys should go look that up. We should. (laughs) <laughs> so my take from my podcast and your podcast is you're a, a big bruce campbell fan yes i am a huge bruce campbell fan some other fun notes about the movie as i always uh it's funny i did this with army of darkness when i talked to you i didn't know a lot about the actual behind the scenes so i went and looked it up and i did the same thing with uh bubba hotep here mm-hmm. it's a great movie if you're into the b level horror comedy movies i mean it's a classic in fact, uh, one thing I found interesting when I looked it up, Roger Stone, of course, one of the most famous movie critics of all time, gave it a three out of four stars Wow! when he saw it. And Roger, Roger, I mean, Roger Ebert, I mean, that guy was a douchebag. He really was. <laughs> when he, As a person, he seemed like a real douchebag. Yeah. Well, I even wrote down his quote, if I can find it here. Roger Ebert gave the film three out of four stars, and I believe he referred to it as delightfully whimsical. It was a delightful movie. Uh, only 32 prints of the movie were actually ever made and circulated around various film festivals when wow. they were first trying to put it out into the public. And, of course, they, I mean, it garnered critical success. Mm-hmm. But by the time it was released on DVD, it had already achieved cult status due to the 
positive reviews. Lack of access was probably another big thing that played for it. Mm-hmm. And of course, Bruce Campbell works his ass off to promote a movie. Yes. The inclusion of basically all his, all the similar on the road promotional work by him. Helps. People were aware of the movie and just wanted to see it. Mm-hmm. I think and it was made with like a million dollar budget. The box office came in at a little, at like 1.2 million. See, that's one thing that amazes me, and I'm just going to stick with horror, with horror movies, with these lower budget movies, is you watch the finished product and you're like, wow, this was a really good movie, especially for a million dollar budget. And then you've seen movies with less of a budget in the same genre. It also brings me back to what I was saying in the beginning of the podcast. Horror can go in any direction. It can. And it doesn't have to make any sense at all. Like I said before, I mean, the key is to embrace the direction you want to go in. Or really the direction the movie's going to end up in. (laughs) Yes. And you're going to have those fans, you know, you're going to have those fans that are going to be like, wow, this movie was really good, fun movie, check it out. You told me to check it out. (laughs) Yeah, man. And next time we get together, we'll talk about a different Bruce Campbell movie. Fine with me. Those are my favorite kinds of movies. Horror, when it comes to horror, yeah, horror and comedy movies, works but, for me. Uh, yeah, Bubba Hotep had like a seventy nine percent on Rotten Rotten Tomatoes, and it's been seventeen years. So I mean, that's pretty steady. That's yeah. Colin with the ton in cheek statement that it's the best movie to ever star both the King and JFK. That's true. I don't know any other movie they both been in together, but exactly. True. I think that was the point. Yes, I mean JFK's black. <laughs> when JFK was bl- was apparently abducted by Lyndon Johnson, dropped in a nursing home, and died black. Yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> by the way, we should mention that he does believe the mu- in the movie, the guy, Aussie Davis, who plays JFK, the character believes the mummy was sent by Lyndon Johnson. <laughs> I could see that. <laughs> Got him assassinated. Now, Lyndon Johnson's like, this guy's still living. He's just black now. I got to get him. <laughs> Makes sense. I see how it all ties together. Exactly. All right. So I want to roll into... That was our little drunken movie review on Bubba Hotep. I want to roll into a couple news articles I found pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you have a chance to read both of the articles I sent you? I did. The one about the beer and the shoe, I've seen that. Hold on to that one. Yes. We're going to talk about the Belgian Monastery first. And it's good. this is all going to circle back to your red giant red shoes that I noticed as we were leaving the bathroom. Okay. <laughs> So, recently there was an NPR article I stumbled across. And I'm calling this, of course, Booze in the News. I like that. Yeah, yeah, see? There you go. Belgian Monastery will brew beer again after a 220-year pause. That's a long time to not brew beer. That's a very long... That's stressful. (laughs) I would leave. (laughs) So, the article goes on to talk about a monastery. The last time... Belgian Belgiums, and I don't know, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing this right, Grimbergen Abbey, I'm assuming that's how it's pronounced, mm-hmm. brewed beer, the United States was only t- about 20 years old. So that's a long, that's a really long that's time. That's a long time. The last time they 220 brewed- years didn't jump out of you. 17 something, right? Yeah. Uh, 1798. There we go. There we go. So... The Abbey is located in Grimbergen, a town eight miles north of Brussels. It's a monastery that basically has burned down a number of times over history. They were able to save their ancient texts and things like that, which the beer recipes happen to be included in. Which is important. Which is absolutely important. And now they're going to get back to brewing their own beer and having people come in and drink it. 
which is awesome because I've seen recently a, like a lot of articles popping up about brewers, people in the beer industry, mm-hmm. trying to recreate these ancient recipes, and it's actually pretty fascinating. I agree. That's actually one thing that stuck out stuck out to me was how they want to use the older, re- you know, kind of remix it, but use some of the older recipes. I was like, that's real cool. Because who wouldn't want to try a beer from 200 years ago? That recipe. Or yeah, it's coming. Recipe. The recipes are right there in their medieval texts. They're trying to kind of retranslate that yes. into today's terms. Because yep. I remember they said it was in Latin, and I don't remember the other language it was in, but I remember Latin was one other language. And they want to, you know, break it down and figure it out and use those recipes. And I'm just like, that's amazing. And you're learning something. You're learning about history as you're and brewing a beer, which absolutely. is awesome. I have the Latin phrase in my notes here, but let me get to it or else I'll, <laughs> I'll mm-hmm. lose my place. Mm-hmm. The Abbey itself was founded in like 1128. So mm-hmm. it was brewing beer for like 600 years before it stopped That for that 220 years before it's really going to get back into it. It was destroyed a number of times. and But what was interesting, some of the books saved from the Abbey's library date to the 12th century, which like we were talking about, ancient books. And it preserved some of the recipes. I'm, what was interesting, though, even without them making the beer over the last 200 plus years, yeah. they actually had license ag- licensing agreements with two commercial current breweries. Mm-hmm. So Carlsberg, which is... A Belgian Dutch beer company has been putting out a Grimbergian beer mm-hmm. based on the Abbey's like recipes and things like that. Yeah, it's not the official beer that the place was brewing before they burnt down. They were putting out one, and the makers of Heineken. What was the name of their brewery? Alken Maze. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correct, but they brewed a second beer based on the mm-hmm. Abbey's beverages uh the carlberg one looks like it was focused mainly on the international markets the alken maze one brewed for domestics market in belgium and things like that but now the brewery's getting back into brewing their own stuff which is awesome which is pretty amazing the abbey was destroyed several times since it was founded most recently like we said in like 1798 french soldiers actually destroyed it Uh. During some kind of violent clapdown with the Roman Catholic Church. I don't know. I don't keep track of that stuff. <laughs> you shouldn't ruin a brewery, though. You got to have a place to drink. You do. You really need it. Beer brings people together. Look at this right now. Exactly. I, there's no other reason I'd be hanging out with you. It exactly. wasn't for booze. And Anthony. Okay. We'll throw him in there. Yeah, we can. I, just, <laughs> I, like, I like Anthony. He's a good guy. <laughs> Before it was destroyed the last time, 1798. The Abbey's quick-thinking clerics knocked a hole in a wall to get into their library and ferried several hundred books to safety. Wow. That's amazing. That's awesome because, like, I know we were just joking, but having a beer really does bring people together. It does. And with them saving that recipe, 220 years later, it's coming back. Yep. And for centuries, the Grimbergian Abbey has been associated with the symbol of a phoenix. The phoenix also reflects the Abbey's Latin motto, which I cannot even come close to pronouncing. But it does translate to burned but not destroyed. Ooh. Which that's is awesome. uh, that's a I pretty like cool that. motto. I like that. I love that, actually. If The label on the actual two types of beers with the Grimbergian name on it has a large image of a phoenix on it. That's awesome. I've never seen it in stores locally or anything like that, so I don't know if it's available in the States, but... 
I would drink it just because of that. I would absolutely yeah. give it a try. As a matter of fact, if they when they bring this beer back, if it was local, I would drink it just for the. I don't know if I don't know if it's ever going to be local. Honestly, Probably it sounds not. like the new brewery. It's going to sit inside uh, the Abbey's walls. It'll have a bar and restaurant for visitors, which is slated to open somewhere in 2020. But they'll be making relatively small batches of beer, so I don't expect to honestly see it in the states. That's unfortunate, but not um, for a uh, long time. If you're a long time, or yeah, we'll be gone by it's then. It's going to be pricey, probably. Very. But that seems like more of an experience. I'd want to go there and drink it. Drinking yeah. it, drinking it here, I don't would not. I don't know. I if get, I'd get the same kind of sense. You won't it. get it, especially because you're drinking it there, and say you're talking. You know, you're at the bar, sitting at the the bar, and they're telling you the history of it as you're drinking it. Yeah. You'll get that, like holy, wow. Yep. And I will. Uh, we skimmed over a bunch of the article, but I'll try to include a link to it in my notes for anyone that's interested. It's a pretty good NPR article. A lot of cool stuff from it. There's a lot of quote, good quotes in there and things like that. I know Carlsberg, the brewing company, is going to have a hand in running the brewery and things like that. I like Carlsberg. It's a good beer. The other fun article I want to talk about was a New York Times article. Yes. And this is coming full circle back to your red shoes, which we'll get to. Behold Australia's grossest drinking tradition, the shoey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't. I honestly don't know if you can date this back, but someone tried. In Australia, the New York Times put an put out an article recently. In Australia, it's not a question of if the shoe fits; it's how much beer the shoe holds. Really, yes. So Australia has this thing. It's called a shoey, and it's a trend that's thriving there. Basically, for live music, popping up at sporting events, uh, really anywhere an entertainer is entertaining the public in yes. Australia. Yep. So fans at events are just chanting the word shoey, S-O-S-H-O-E-Y, and they go insane over it, and they're chanting it because they want the person entertaining them to take off their shoe, fill it with a beer, or even people will even throw up on stage shoes to be filled with a beer and have the entertainer drink from the shoe. Which is crazy. (laughs) Very crazy. To, yes, to do a shoey, as Australia is calling it, uh, it's usually beer poured into the shoe, beer cascades. Obviously, as you're trying to drink from a shoe, it just fucking goes everywhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've seen it. Not in You've person. You've seen it? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, I'm a UFC fan, as you know. Yes. And I actually sent you a YouTube video. The guy's name, and he's from Australia. I know I'm going to butcher his name, and I hope he hears this. Just don't knock me out. Oh, Tia I'm sure he will. Tasuvaya. When he wins, like when he fights and he wins, he'll go into the, you know, when he's walking back, he'll either pour beer in his own shoe or someone from the crowd will give him their shoe with beer in it and he'll chug it. Oh, yeah. There's an Australian NASCAR or Formula One driver that's does the same does thing. the same thing and is really making it kind of famous for Australia, which they're really not happy about the actual country. I believe it. The people in power there. You got to be famous for something, though. It's, it's and it, honestly, their drinking culture. It's yes. not a terrible thing. I mean, it's nasty. It's weird. Well, it, it's, but it's funny. Not horrible. They even in the article they even mentioned some of the famous people that have done it while they were there, which I was actually kind of surprised about because it started with Sir Patrick Stewart. So he's done a shoey in Australia. Hugh Grant, the actor, <sighs> Gerard Butler, who I think is Australian anyway. So that makes sense for him to do it. Jimmy Fallon. Uh, the actors and things. Uh, Jimmy Machine- Fallon, I could see him doing it. Yep. Uh, musicians, Machine Gun Kelly, Luke Bryan, 
And they made a heavy emphasis on Post Malone. Okay. Now, at those musicians you named, Machine Gun Kelly and Post Malone, not surprised at all. Especially Post Malone. I, see, I know I've heard probably Post Malone music, but I would not know it if someone did not tell me. I, you could put I his music on right now, I'd have no idea it was him. I'm, I'm in the same boat. <laughs> Honestly, uh, the only thing I know about Post Malone is his name is stupid. Yes. And he, after reading this article, I think he looks like the human equivalent of a sweat-drenched, beer-soaked <laughs> shoe that someone used to drink a shoey and then put back on their foot. It's funny you say that because everybody that talks about him says he looks like he smells bad. Like, he, he just looks like he smells <laughs> awful. And I find that hilarious because you're just saying, again, I don't really know much about him. And you're just I, saying this. Is just I mean, I've heard he was funny him. and kind of a good person. So I, I yeah. am not speaking towards his general nature no, no, as a no, person. No. I'm just this telling just, you what his appearance yeah. looks like. Yeah, I, and I'm with you on that. He looks like he smells like cigarettes and cheap beer. He does. <laughs> and he does drink cheap beer. That's the that's the funny thing about it. Like, I believe when he did the shoe In fact, thing, the main picture for the article is Post Malone doing a shoey. Yes. And it even talks about how uh, Post Malone's no stranger to doing shoeys on his Australian tours. A street mural of him guzzling from a Nike sneaker appeared in Melbourne, Australia last year. But I will say this. With him doing that, it's, again, if you go back to business, it's smart. Because yes, it's, a, it's about pleasing the cloud. Exactly. Crowd. If there's thousands of people chanting at you. Shoey. It's kind of in your best interest to do it. And not only that, but I mean, you have fans of your music going there. They're going to listen to it just for the music. Then you have people that are going there just to see you drink out of a shoe. (laughs) Possibly their shoe, if they get that lucky. It's (laughs) Which is, I mean, it sounds crazy. It's true, because people are throwing shoes up on stage, and they talk about that in in the article. And what boggles my mind is, it it says the origins of the shoe we are murky, which... There's patchy oral histories of it occurring in Australia up to like 20 years ago. As an act of triumph and camaraderie, as they say, at parties or sporting events, things like that. Like I don't know how you can trace back the invention of someone trying to drink beer out of a shoe. That yeah, and that's they, crazy. And, and a dumb idea in general. It is a dumb idea. <laughs> it's funny though. I would watch it because I mean it's not Australian specific. No, it's definitely not. <laughs> would you do a showy? I was going to ask you that, but you beat me to it. Hold on. Let me let me f- read a few of the other notes, and we'll get to that. Okay. One place where the ritual, as they call it, the ritual in the article of the shoey, mm-hmm. took hold was really in the Tasmanian punk circles just over a decade ago. And honestly, the phrase Tasmanian punk circle blew my mind. Tasmanian <laughs> punk circle. I just what? think of Tasmanian devil exactly. spinning in circles. To punk music. Yes. But uh, one punk singer that they talked to actually said that he started doing it mainly because it seemed funny, but he started really pretty often to get free drinks out of it because everyone wanted to fill his shoe with beer hey that right there makes plenty of sense all right what would it take for you to fill one of your shoes with With beer beer and drink out of it free drinks free drinks simple as that see i like the free drink aspect my concern comes into what does the shoe, how does the shoe hold up after it's been full of beer? You can't really machine wash sneakers. Okay. So My thing to that would be, say you try it one time and you know you're going to get free drinks from it. You go buy a cheap pair of shoes from Walmart that you don't really care about. You just have them in your book bag or whatever. You want to see me drink out of a shoe? That's fine if you got money to just constantly blow on pairs of sneakers. Well, no, you just have that one pair. You don't care. You don't wear them. You don't care about them. 
So you only wear them when you go out to the bar and convince someone if they buy your beer, you will pour it in your shoe and drink from it. Yeah, or you just have a shoe with you. Interesting. Like, why- your designated shoey shoes. Yes. Someone's like, why are you carrying a shoe around? Listen, you buy me a beer, <laughs> and I'll tell you about it. You buy me a beer, I'll drink out of this shoe. That's why. I didn't think of that. A I designated just, pair yeah. of shoey shoes only for to drink beer out of. Yes. It's they a, have to be worn shoes, though. You can wear them one time. That's the point. Because you got to try them on. you got to take it off, pour the beer in it, drink the beer, and then put the shoe back on. Okay. That is the full shoey experience. You're, you know what? You're right, but you can still have that same pair of shoes that you only wear when you go, you go out. When you go out to the bars, like for you for your podcast, for example. If you're, if someone was like, "Listen, if you drink beer out of your shoes right now, you could." Free See, beer. I don't think that's going to come up naturally. I think it's you're going to you, have to be the one well, that brings yeah. it up. You'd have to bring it up. Like, look, I want to. You're going to have to try to make a deal with someone sitting by you after a few drinks. That's true. That's very true. Well, let me ask you this: Let's say that all comes to fruition. You're re- he's, this stranger is ready to buy you a beer to pour in your shoe. Do you go left or right? Uh, honestly, it depends on where I'm sitting and how I'm sitting. Like right now, I'm sitting on the stool <laughs> with my right foot up, so it'd be right foot right now. But whatever, and if I'm sitting in a regular chair, I'll just grab a shoe. I'll let them choose. It's funny because the article even went so far as to get a professional opinion from someone at like a university and things mm-hmm. like that. So the professional opinion about getting sick, basically from drinking from a shoe, there was a quote as the infectious risk of someone with normal healthy feet and an intact shoe would be pretty low. And this is coming from an infectious disease expert at one of the universities in Melbourne. It's really, from what I gather from that, no risk. That's what I get from it. (laughs) No risk at all. Mm -hmm. But I got to think I'd go left. Only because... I'm right-handed, so I feel like I favor the right side of my body more. Okay. So maybe the left is a little less stinky when it comes to the foot. See, and I'm a lefty. Are you really? So, yeah. So, you know. There's not a lot of lefties out there. But I would either. I would choose either one. You're an oddball. I know. <laughs> You're a black lefty. It's like yes. finding a unicorn. It really is. A black <laughs> lefty that used to be white, but I was dyed black on top of that. It's My mind is blown. But a shoe? Yeah, I would definitely do a shoey. All right, we're going to have to work on that one of these days. Now, would you do... Here we go. Back to the streaking thing. Would you do a shoey while streaking across Absolutely. your Absolutely. I feel field? like if you're going to do one, you have to do the other. For a million dollars. Absolutely. Yeah, I would too. If I've already committed to run across a football field naked, at this point, what difference does it make if I'm drinking beer out of a shoe? What's the cheapest you would do it for? Drinking beer out of a shoe. Running oh, drinking beer naked. out of a shoe? Running across the field naked, drinking beer out of a shoe. Oh, if you're including running the streaking... Free beer. Free beer. Because <laughs> that's what this whole plan hinges on, is if yes. whether or not I have to pay for a stadium-priced beer. Which can be pretty expensive. It can. Anthony's paying. If Anthony's paying, I would do it without question. <laughs> and I would just scream his name the whole time. Oh, yeah. I love you, Anthony. That's exactly what I, mean. I love you, Anthony. And uh, <laughs> he's going to enjoy that. He is. I don't know. Half a million. I, yeah. It depends on the guarantee between me doing it and not getting arrested, I suppose. If if that can be guaranteed. Yeah, I get I it. I mean, without going into too much detail, I work for the government, so me being arrested would be a big deal. Yeah, it probably would be. I mean, I have a state job. I don't know how big of a the deal it The state doesn't be. give a shit, so you'd be fine. But my wife might care. Ah. Especially doing something stupid like that. Like, out of all the things you she get arrested It would be for. a good story for her to tell her friends. Yeah, but look, I got... <laughs> 
$500,000 for it. We can get a house now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'll be out in a couple days. <laughs> Obviously, if you get the million dollars, you have enough to pay your bail. Oh, yeah. More than <laughs> enough. And get a house and new shoes. I mean, how bad can an indecent exposure arrest be? It's one of those things I don't want to find out because I'm not guaranteed a million. I guess there really is only one way to find out. Yeah, there is. <laughs> I'm not going to test it. No. <laughs> no. Not unless... No, I'm not even going to say that. I'd need a guaranteed million. Like, I'd have to see the money, like, right there, a million. Someone that I know and trust, like, say, like, my wife is holding the million, so I know I'm getting paid. Yep. Boom. I'm done. I'm gone. <laughs> All right. So, I think it's about time to wrap this up. I'm winding down on my beer. Yep. And I need to stop. <laughs> yes. But we do have one listener question from, of course, a person we've mentioned already, Anthony Rossi, host of Video Game Crosstalk. I can really, this imagine. one is for you. And Anthony wanted to know how many times you uttered the phrase effing white people when it came to Washington Bubba Hotep. Honestly, none. Really? But on a daily basis, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> because what, What's the trigger for the phrase effing white people for you then? Uh, white people, white people. Then. <laughs> it's just, you know what it is too, is I'll do it just joking around nine times out of ten because I have friends of all different races, white, black, whatever. And I'll just be like, oh, my God. You see a news article, somebody climbing up something and jumping off something. I'm like, why? I'll, sit, I'll ask my white friends. Like, why, why? I'll ask you, why do they do this stuff? I got no idea, man. <laughs> they probably classified under the definition of the movie Bubba Hotep as a Bubba. That's good. That's how I'm going to start. Oh, these damn Bubbas. <laughs> they don't know how to act. <laughs> So that's going to do it for this episode of Stories from a Bar. Big thank you to you, sir, Aaron Sturdivant, host of Horror with Sir Sturdy, the podcast, for hanging out, having some beers, and sharing some great stories. Yes. Thank you very much for joining me here at Frog Alley. A big thank you to everyone out there for checking out the show. You can find Stories from a Bar on Facebook and follow the show on Twitter and Instagram. Be sure to check out both Horror with Sir Sturdy on Facebook and Twitter and Stories from a Bar as well. Be sure to follow you for all the great things you have going on. I know you, you're you recording episodes all the time. I'm trying. Like I took a little break from social media and recording and everything, but I'm back. And I'm on Podbean as well as you are. Yeah, absolutely. Spotify, iTunes, all that good stuff, YouTube. And I'm actually going to... A little bit of breaking news. Ooh. So... Right here on the... You hear it first. Yes. Story from a bar. I record on Skype a lot. And I just found out you can record the videos on Skype. So... I'm going to start doing videos on YouTube nice. with the podcast and posting them on there very, very soon. Stay tuned for that. You can just Google Horror with Search 30 and you, I'll pop up. Yep. So be sure to, of course, follow Stories from Bar and Horror with Search 30 on all those social media platforms. And be doubly sure to go back and check out the episode where I was on Horror with Search 30 to talk about the delightful movie Army of Darkness, yes. another Bruce Campbell classic. It was. And we'll have to get together to talk about a. A third Bruce Campbell classic at some point on one of our podcasts. you know what? I wouldn't mind bringing my little recording equipment here and doing it here if we can. Absolutely. That'd be fun. Fantastic. And, of course, a huge thank you to Frog Alley. This place is awesome. Thanks to the Brewmaster Rich for giving us the tour. We've had some great beers. Be sure to stop by and check out Frog Alley. Follow them on, like I said, Facebook. I believe they're on Instagram as well. We've always got live entertainment going on. This place is amazing. Definitely check this place out. And what is it? Mohop number eight. It's delicious. Get it. And I have not had a bad beer here. So really just get any of their beer. 
And the popcorn's good here, too. Popcorn's good, too. Someone brought us over popcorn, so that was absolutely fantastic of them. So you can, f- of course, find stories from a bar and horror with Sir Sturdy on the Apple Podcasts, Podbeam, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, be sh- and more importantly, be sure to subscribe and leave fantastic reviews. Spread the word. Thanks for having me on. I had a great time. Thanks for being here, man. Cheers. Anytime. <laughs>